I don't have. It's been so long. I mean, uh, I'll save most of this, but I was just gonna say it's been so long since I've thought about like scripture and verses and stuff. That's the best part. That yeah, I don't really have a whole lot like forefront. When you asked that question, I was like, ah, I yeah, thought about it for a yeah. while. But, I mm-hmm. I just I was just you know wondering if there was anything that that stuck out to you still or anything like that. I'm sure that. those it's things not, will. I'm it's sure that will come super, up. Super yeah. uh, necessary. It's just so, some something like to maybe ask beforehand just in case there is something yeah, but yeah. it definitely got me thinking yeah, for sure i mean yeah, most yeah. Of, most of the people that we've talked to thus far have been people that are not in the game still yeah <laughs> in the game yeah yeah, yeah for so. sure um uh, cool great do it then. awesome chris spicer welcome to bible buds hey thanks for having me yeah man super we're super stoked to have you. I mean, you are the uh, you are the creator of this this Bible Buds logo. That was really fun to make, uh, <laughs> and uh, I want to thank you for giving me the opportunity <laughs> to envision okay. something so fun. It's really, I mean, I you know, not to toot our own horn, it's obviously done a ton for your career. The fact that you, <laughs> your name is attached to the podcast. Oh so my goodness! Yeah, I'm happy to see that, uh, and that's great. <laughs> my inbox is exploding right, right they're like you did that bible buzz yeah that's right? claim to fame <laughs> the bible buzz logo? dude people are i think you know the buds honestly people are so confused about <laughs> what we're doing with this podcast still i think they think that andrew and i have like pretty much started some religious cult or something or maybe, that we're like jesus freaks or yeah, something it's it's in its proto forms but that's it's the it's the thing that we are going for for sure <laughs> yeah um it's true yeah i think that it's hard to know. It's hard to know what we're about. The weed logo apparently doesn't uh, doesn't throw people. Yeah, or, I thought it would soften know. it a little bit, and people wouldn't think that it was like I guess this it's just, super serious. It, it just goes to yeah. show how weighty even just the word Bible is. Just it's a heavy, alone. a heavy book and a heavy it makes word. A lot of people retract fully into themselves. Yeah, I thought so too. I thought, oh, you look at the logo and you're gonna be like, oh, okay, this is this is a little different, but. Yeah, I mean, maybe we're giving people too much benefit of the doubt. Yeah, I don't know. They don't have time. They don't have time to figure it out. It was just a stoned idea one day. I was like, (laughs) Andrew, I've never really read the Bible. I think it would be fun if we got baked and went through the Bible. And it just evolved into, you know, discussing some other people's experiences. Like, I know from uh, talking to you, Chris, you you grew up religious somewhat. uh, Yeah, it's true. From going to the open mic where I met both you and and Jen, that open mic that you hosted for so long, it seemed like maybe there was maybe quite a few of those, those people that showed up to that open mic that were either grew up religious and maybe didn't identify with it anymore, or maybe we're still in the church. I think a, a few of those Some people, people for sure. Yeah. Uh, it's interesting. I, I think that, um, our amazing, lovely sommelier, I think you don't call her a bartender at a wine bar, but, um, I think at one point she was like, man, this open mic is like my church. And I was like, like, that's nice, but like, be careful. Don't say <laughs> that. Yeah. yeah. No, you but know. I mean, I totally got the sentiment, but you're right. I think that, oh, uh, well, first of all, I mean, there's probably just so many people that grew up religious that are, that are maybe not anymore. And so, um, I have found, and, and Jen, you know, my wife has found as well that like, that's a lot of the times the people that we connect the most with, um, people that we meet but it's always a funny conversation at first and i wonder i'm trying to remember how it first came up for you and i dan um 
where maybe like we were talking about music or something or bands and I was like, Oh yeah, totally. I, I listen to those bands and then somehow mention youth group, but it's always just like you're all tentative because you're like, are they going to walk right. away from this? There's also, there's also just different degrees, right? Because even with me and Dan, you know, like I was pretty deep. I was real heavy in the church in high school. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was like my life. Basically I was there like four nights a week. Yeah. Uh, and sometimes I was there like almost every day yeah. because of yeah, music yeah. stuff. So in, and you were in California, uh, this was in Colorado. Oh, in Colorado. Okay. Yeah. And I grew, I grew up in California until I was like 11, 12, but, um, yeah, I just, you know, I joined this like church in Colorado that I vibed with and, they gave me a chance to to play in the the youth group band and like the main band, which was like you know felt like the biggest deal at the time because it was they had a huge um, congregation of like almost seven thousand people. So church, church is a big deal in Colorado, for sure. I mean, yeah, I remember I think, there's like some bigger, there are some bigger like mega yeah quote unquote, for sure, mega and especially Colorado Springs is like a huge okay, mecca yeah. for that. Um, which is Colorado Springs is like the most conservative city in the country. Um, but yeah, I mean, like music was the thing that definitely kept me there, but I had my own sort of like thing going on. I definitely took it seriously um, while also dealing with, you know, being a the high school kid mm-hmm. and wanting to like have a girlfriend and everything that comes with that and whatnot. So yeah, I don't know. I I have friends, like all that to say, like I have friends who are like, yeah, technically you grew up religious, but like you were you were never actually religious. Like you were in a religious family, but you were always right. sort of just like, yeah, whatever, who cares? Which is fine. Like that's not to look down on that by any means. And I think like for me, because I was so serious about it until I was about 20, uh, it was like it was at first it was jarring and, and difficult to find other people who like had been so serious about it. And then walked away from it yeah, um because most people i knew who were were just like oh yeah i like i grew up religious and then i talked to them about it and be like yeah but you weren't really like well if somebody says i grew up catholic like do they actually mean they went to to mass you know four times a year yeah on holidays or even every sunday but it's like did you consider yourself to have like a deeply personal relationship with God or Jesus right. or whatever. Right. Yeah. And I guess that's where I would sort of draw the line is like, where, where were you at with that? Like, was this your spiritual everything or was it just like a hat that you wore on Sundays, which is fine too. And sometimes I wish that maybe I hadn't taken it so seriously <laughs> um, because the, you know, the divorce from it was so heavy, but yeah. um, right. I don't know. Where, where would you say you found yourself like growing up on that, on that ridiculously chaotic spectrum that I just laid out? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm actually, I, I much more closely identify with your experience um, where I, w- I grew up in the church, um, going to church at least three times a week, um, if not more going to events and stuff like that. Sure. Um, my grandpa was a, a pastor and, uh, all throughout the Northwest and he was an in- incredible man. Um, and, uh, I can talk more about him later on, but once I tell my story, but, um, so he had, you know, his three children, um, my dad, my aunt and, and my uncle, and all three of them are still extremely religious, um, extremely involved in church. Um, and so that's the way that 
myself and, and my brother and then all my cousins were raised as well. Um, so yeah, going to church nonstop. My grandpa was actually my pastor for a while, um, growing up at a church in Oregon city. Um, but yeah, I, uh, was pretty into it. Um, I had like a kid's picture Bible before I, Oh man, I forgot know, about those. Yeah. Upgraded to, those you know, fun. the teen study Bible, the, the true love waits Bible. I don't know. I don't mean, I don't know how many different Bibles. <laughs> Dan, you should, I should try to track down one of those picture Bibles for you. That might help. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It might, uh, simplify some of these stories. <laughs> oh yeah. It definitely, uh, it, it definitely cherry picks, uh, you know, the the good parts i guess you could say and leaves out the bad parts it tries it, it tries, tries. Yeah. yeah um what what uh what kind of christian church was this that you were going to yeah and that I, your, your grandfather was a pastor of this was the nazarene church um which uh stems from the methodist background um and the wesleyan tradition uh crazy i i still don't know exactly what all these things mean but you know heard them a lot um the nazarene church very similar to protestant you know any of these denominations baptist uh you know all these but it's it's basically the, the nazarene church is um uh spends a lot of time talking about holiness and and sanctification and so the idea that like you know throughout your life you are pursuing sanctification and holiness um kind of as an ongoing act so did that resonate with you as a as a younger person did you oh, get that message no no i mean and these are things so uh, we can talk more about my well, story too just but, to clarify yeah, by saying yeah. by by holiness and being <laughs> these sanctified and stuff like unpacking do you do you mean like an, a hard emphasis on like aversion to sin essentially like try and be as pure as possible yeah, and um, and constant repentance and mm-hmm. and asking for forgiveness. Um, a lot. I mean, most services ended with an altar call, um, where you know you're told about you know Jesus. You know, forgive. You know, his forgiveness is for all. You know, come down and ask for forgiveness. Um, something you had to do um, constantly, just because. Uh, I don't know. I, I guess as you live your life. Uh, your sinful nature sometimes wins out and then you want to ask for forgiveness. And now that I think about it, it's not too different than, you know, going to, um, a Catholic church and saying some Hail Marys, doing some confession, doing some confession. Yeah, sure. That was, I grew up Catholic. So like the, uh, the calls to the altar were not a thing I was familiar with until I got to junior high and started going to some uh some youth groups yeah. you know and some christian youth groups and and seeing people go up and give their testimony and you know giving themselves to god in front of this large group of people right and i don't know i think that can be confusing as a kid because there's i think you get a lot of attention from doing right. something oh, like yeah. that too so there's like the performative element of that yeah, it was but then there's a lot of internal confusion too around um, I don't know. I just think that theologically, that's a it's a little bit murky to position Christianity in that way. And and obviously, like this is not the only denomination to do it. It's it's most of modern Christianity, but that like heavy focus on sin and impurity and like mm-hmm. the need to strive towards holiness, um, and framing it specifically in like 
just don't fuck up is yeah. it's a lot especially for a young mind to deal with um you know like there there are certain things for my upbringing in the church that like I still carry with me today that like I'll catch myself being like feeling really guilty about something and be like you don't need to feel guilty about that. Like, what are you doing? And right, I realized right. like, oh, it's just because it was beaten into my head. Oh, absolutely. And and sin was, you know, we constantly talked about sin. And the biggest problem with that, you know, the approach to, to religion through sin, like for me later on in my life, like you were talking about, um, is I look back and realize it was fear and guilt. Like those are the two main things that um, were always on my mind and were used a lot in the church. Um, man, I, I spent, you know, the first 20, I don't know, 23, 24 years of my life feeling guilty every day. For sure. <laughs> man, that is like something that has taken time to move past, but I'm s in such a better place, like not having to like wake up and be like, Oh no, what, what have I, I done? Do? <laughs> yeah. I just think that it would be, it's healthier to frame it as like, sort of like what Wally would talk about, just in terms of like personal responsibility. Like if you take like lying as a sin, you don't, you don't avoid lying because it's a sin. You tell the truth because it's the, it's a good thing to do and mm -hmm. you should want to do that. Right. But if you do end up telling a lie, like, you know, yeah, you work through it. You're probably going to suffer some consequences because of it, maybe. Um, but that's like the negative side is, is, um, can be tricky to focus on. And I think like you're saying, it sort of just lends itself to a lot of like guilt and shame that just kind of builds up over time. Yeah. Um, and then doesn't feed the healthy part of us. That's just like, I should just strive to be good for goodness sake. Like just for that. Absolutely. Um, for goodness sake. And, and you know, when you talk about like, what does that mean? Like when you say for goodness sake, for the sake of goodness and what is goodness and where does it, stem from and where does it reside in the universe um could goodness be called god in some way you know if you want right. to i mean know. yeah if you i mean if you look at it from the the god is love thing sure love god, is but good, also love you know? is god too you know like right you, well uh, going changing back the, to even the very first yeah. episode of this podcast where we talked a little bit about um zoroastrianism are you familiar with zoroastrianism uh, at all I've, heard of it i'm not so yeah familiar, it's like so. it's a it's a proto version of of monotheism essentially mm -hmm. dating back before judaism um and zarathustra was like the was the prophet um in like ancient persia but their word for god was like lord of wisdom and everything about that religion was essentially just like you should try to align yourself with wisdom and goodness mm -hmm. which is to your point is just like that's what it means to have a relationship with god that's what it means to like anchor yourself anchor yourself in like something spiritually sound yeah is to just tr like do what you intrinsic intrinsically know is the right thing to do yeah yeah um going back to your question where you asked about uh if i connected with <laughs> those phrases those words of like holiness and sanctification when i was a kid i don't you know we'd sing songs and hymns that had the word holy in them but it's just a song. I didn't really know what it meant as a kid um, for a while. And I, I actually went to a, a private Christian college where then I went on to like study theology and, and study, especially the theology of my specific Nazarene denomination. Um, but uh, I didn't really know as a kid until later on. Um, but it's funny that throughout 
throughout time as I okay hold on there is a light out here that is just driving oh, me good. crazy okay. I'm gonna turn it off if I can find a button for it I'm interrupting myself you can email us at biblebuds okay here we PDF. go <laughs> yeah. okay so um I did not connect with those I think that a lot of it is like people say going through the motions um doing what my parents did doing what my friends are doing living the only life that I knew really um and not having a whole lot of outside input but it's funny the things that started to have an outside input in my life were uh, things like spending time with, you know, friends from school and finding out about uh, books, classic literature um, from my English class, uh, especially like being in some of those like college prep English classes where they dive into like books that center around maybe other religions. Um, and there have been books along the way that really opened my mind. Ones that like maybe my parents even encouraged me to read. They're like, oh, it's so great you're reading. We, you know, we want to be good parents. Obviously, our kids should read. Um, but, but those same books that maybe they're encouraging me to read were opening my mind to things beyond the, the religion that I was in. Um, books like Siddhartha, um, books like Wizard of Earthsea, um, which I read recently by Ursula K. Le Guin, who is a Portland author, um, passed away a year or two ago in her 90s. Um, incredible fantasy novel about um, the, you know, the, the battle between light and dark within all of us. Um, yeah, so there's, there's these, uh, these themes that I found in, in art, you know, even some movies and, and music, the, the light and dark. Um, and that obviously resides in Christianity in some way and, and in my denomination, it, it's there. Um, but I think it's too muddied. Right. And there's definitely no emphasis on like, um, I don't know the best way to say this. I mean, embrace, embracing the darkness sounds too like evil, but like a book like Siddhartha sort of cracks all of that wide open, mm -hmm. especially if you're like growing up in, from a strictly like American Christian perspective. Um, but yeah, I think like recognizing that we all, have darkness in us and then taking it a step further and being like it's okay and it's you know it's part of the human journey to wrestle with it as opposed to being like and it's really bad and you should feel bad about it and you right. should pray for forgiveness right. Um, right. I feel like Christianity sort of like cuts it off a little short as opposed to like allowing you the, the deeper spiritual journey underneath that of like what is the darkness and what can it teach you about who you are and yeah. you know, where you're hung up spiritually. And once you start looking inside yourself and saying, well, part of me is bad, then you start to say, well, okay, what, what part of me is bad and what's good? And if you look at yourself in the mirror or if you look, you know, if you're thinking about who you are and you say, well, that's bad, then, then you start to like, you start to dive more into like these other things that maybe are bad too. Behaviors that you've heard somebody say, well, that's wrong or, or, that's inappropriate or taboo even, you know, these things that people say, you shouldn't do that. And you're like, Oh, maybe I shouldn't do that. And then all of a sudden you have labeled so much of yourself as bad that if you're waking up every morning asking for forgiveness for like who you were born to be, or just things that are there inside you, making you who you are, then you're going to get more and more and more and more legalistic. Uh, and it's just going to be a never ending battle with guilt once again. 
can definitely be a little toxic that way. Yeah. Um, did you have a pretty, like, did you have a lot of pride in, in being a Christian as a kid? And, uh, I'm thinking, I, I think I was always a little embarrassed at school. Um, because even though I had some friends that were, um, also Christians at the time and I would, you know, find those people and connect with those people. Um, I didn't really want to talk about it too much because I felt like that I was going to get made fun of. Yeah. 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 I think, I think that was, uh, yeah, there wasn't a bunch of kids growing up for me either in Southern California and the schools I went to that went to church regularly it didn't really feel like you know there was Mm -hmm. maybe there was maybe a kid or two at my elementary school that i would see at the catholic service on sundays and be like oh yeah you you do that thing on sunday too (laughs) (laughs) but uh yeah did did, uh once you started kind of getting opened up to other things in high school did you start kind of gravitating towards maybe like the the mystery side of things the, the mystical end of yeah i i think that i think that i did live in some ways two lives um i really connected a lot to my church friends and some of those people are still good friends um and uh, some of those people are still involved in church and we're still good friends um and i i really was excited to go and hang out do youth group stuff we'd do crazy like weekend trips where we drove all night to like six flags, go crazy at six flags for two days and then drive all night back and like do that in like three or four days. And so we got to do, obviously like that stuff makes youth group rad. And, but outside of that, then I'd go to school and like, I guess because I had to be there, I don't know. I tried to also do school stuff. So I was heavily involved in like student council, but I did not very often combine the two. And so I think that, you know, to the question you asked about the mystery, I think that eventually what led me to the mystery is I tried to continue having the two lives. And what really unraveled it for me was when I went to a Christian school for college, then I was like, Oh, I I can't, I don't really have two lives anymore. It's all kind of combining. Yeah. And I, I live alone away from my parents at this, at this school in a dorm with other people that are supposedly, Christian, but man, uh, everybody on their, uh, doing their own thing, um, doing things that like looked a lot more like my school life and not really like my church life. And, uh, I, I tell people like, I didn't really start swearing until I went to a <laughs> private Christian college. Where'd you uh, go? Like Point Loma or something? I went to a Northwest Nazarene university. Okay. Yeah, Point yeah. Loma is a Nazarene university as well. Yeah in San Diego. So the one I went to is a uh, Nampa, Idaho. I could have gone to a college in San Diego, right? <laughs> but I chose, I know, I that's where like, my mom went to uh, Point Loma for a year or two okay. and then transferred. But no, I chose to go to Nampa, Idaho, uh, which smells like shit. Uh, there's a uh, cow town. No, it's sugar beets. There's a sugar beet factory. Um, the fuck is that? <laughs> they make sugar out of beets. Uh, it smells terrible, and there's there was also like a meat processing plant. Uh, Oof. Terrible. Big town, huh? Oh yeah, great <laughs> great agricultural. <laughs> it's not a college town at all. There was like nothing to do, but we'd go to we'd go into Boise. Boise was like twenty 
minutes 30 minutes away mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. did you know that you wanted to go to a, a christian university pretty early on when you started looking at colleges i did um both of so my grandparents graduated from there my parents my aunts and uncles so many people i knew so um, rich tradition of this in, in the spicer fam very rich tradition um and they'd have homecoming every year and my parents graduated in different years but we'd go to homecoming on like every five every fifth anniversary for them so we'd be going you know every two out of uh i don't know we'd go often (laughs) Uh, sure you know ever since i was a kid we went every single time um every few years and then sometimes i think we would just go anyways because we had family or something in the area so man that was the only college i ever visited the only one i really ever knew about um the only one i applied to the only one you know I yeah. really it thought was it was the one. To. It was the one. It was the way. Did you feel yeah. like it was important for yourself to go to a Christian university or was it kind of more tied into the the tradition and, and the comfortability and, and familiarity to what your family had yeah, attended in the past? I think that I think that I it was a little bit of both. It was more of like tradition and stuff like I I thought it was a really cool campus. Um I was excited for college in general. Every time I went to visit, like when I was in high school, I was just the idea of living in the dorms and like playing ultimate Frisbee on the lawn or whatever, you know, college stuff. I didn't maybe realize that every, I could have that anywhere. I could go anywhere and do that (laughs) because I didn't visit other places. Uh, Just silly. But, um, but then I think there was part of it, maybe part of me where I was like, maybe I should do this if I'm going to be a good Christian. And that, that guilt piece played in a bit too. Um, but I didn't really think about that too much. Mostly it was just like, I thought I was, I was excited to go cause I thought it was cool. I thought it was gonna be a cool spot and I'd heard good things and they had good ranking as, you know, academically as a university. And so, yeah, you, you mentioned kind of when you got to college is when you maybe get exposed to the things that were outside <laughs> of your church life. So yeah. In high school and growing up, was it pretty easy for you to uh, keep yourself out of trouble, not drinking or smoking or, you know, any of that stuff in, in high school? Yeah, I was uh, because I only really ran in the like the church circles. Um, I did have some friends. Uh, so I grew up in Oregon City and, and Westland was like a rival town. Uh, but I had some friends in Westland that I would spend time with um, and uh, would like stay the night at their house and sneak out at night and like go get into you know random whatever trouble but trouble comes with a air quote because i didn't have my first uh drink of alcohol until post-college yeah so you're more you're more like seeing who can crush a 24 pack of of soda and right. not die or, or like toilet papering you know houses. i think i would you know, a cigarette like, that they found in the dirt somewhere <laughs> i i might like in a group of people i would like uh uh, we'd go to a park late at night and like run around in your underwear or something, you know, like yeah. dumb teenage stuff. And, uh, but yeah, it wasn't until, until, uh, yeah, I think it was like the week after I graduated and we're like, I'm going to have a beer. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, this tastes horrible. But now, you know, I've learned that it can taste good. <laughs> Yeah, I didn't do too much of that stuff in high school either as far as, you know, the drinking. I I had like a a very short time where I smoked weed a few times freshman year of high school, but felt like I was 
associating with the wrong people, which I was. Like it wasn't it wasn't the coolest crew of people. Um, yeah, the freshmen smoking weed, probably the wrong crowd. Yeah, 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 oh, for man, sure. Seriously. But yeah. <laughs> they probably got it from an older sibling or something. There was definitely, you know, a sense of the 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 religion and the culture of that that played into that and the guilt of like, no, you got to be a good person. I shouldn't be drinking or like doing any of this, this riffraff. I got to find, you know, yeah. other ways to, yeah, to yeah. have fun and cause trouble that isn't real, you know, damaging, I guess. Right. Well, I was always like so well behaved and like my parents never gave me a curfew just because they like trusted me so well i didn't even really have a cell phone you know so it's just like i had a car i could go around and stuff but they didn't really they're like oh you know have a good night like okay mom love you you know yeah i you know back to i was talking about like certain certain things that like books or movies or whatever that started moving me away um or you know opening my mind um I have an older brother who is three years older than me <clears throat> and my parents would sometimes make him take me when he went to go hang out with his older friends. Um, and he had pretty cool friends. Um, you know, the type of friends that maybe like their parents let them turn the whole garage into like a, a hang pad. It was right? like that 70s show, the totally, basement. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, with couches, you know, and, and TVs and posters all over. And, um, you know, some of them are smoking or whatever, but, I remember, um, so I think it must have been when I was like a freshman and my brother was a senior in high school. Um, there was a period of time over like two months where we watched, like I got to go along and hang out and we watched three movies with that group of people that I will forever have on my list of like those three movies in a way at that time changed my life. And they were uh, Requiem for a Dream. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's Starting a heavy one. Heavy. Yeah. Uh, Pulp Fiction. And, uh, oh, Pink Floyd's The Wall. Okay. And so I remember uh, at the time, those three movies, I hadn't really seen anything like that. Right. Um, no, I mean, obviously, you know, there's a bunch of Tarantino films and whatever. But, but it was like uh, the exposure to, uh, like, Tarantino was like, Violence and language. Uh, Reckon for a dream was like uh, hard drugs. And hard then, drugs, and then just also like a very uh, I don't know. It's just not a straight ahead movie. It's like it's very oh, no. heady, and it jumps around a lot, and there's there's just a lot to pull from it. Oh, and it chronicles like the way that all these different lives can go horribly wrong. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> and then like you know with the wall like psychedelics and uh other drug use and 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 like awesome music too and very like, progressive ideas yeah absolutely music yeah uh crazy animation and <laughs> so i think yeah i mean like being exposed to those things and like viewing them not like because i was in a in a realm where i was like hanging out with older like my brother and his older friends who i thought were super cool I didn't look at that and be like, this is bad and I shouldn't be watching it. I was like, this must be cool. Yeah, you're like, I should be open yeah, to yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah and I'm, I'm glad I was able to approach it in that way because it was cool. It is cool. And I learned a lot. Yeah, so. same. I, I'm glad that those things were more eye-opening and I, I found value in them instead of thinking that 
oh, this is all like behavior that they're speaking ill of in the Bible, you know, <laughs> right. like right. these are all things I shouldn't be participating or even watching. Yeah. But you're like, Ooh, I took a little hit and it feels nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Why do they say this is bad? I'm having a great time. So aside from, you know, having a lot of community within the church and your faith that way growing up before you get to college, do you feel like you have some sense of like a close relationship to God or is it just kind of more of your culture at that point? I was always talking about, we were, we were constantly talking about your relationship with God. Um, your, uh, you know, uh, it is expected that you're doing devotionals. Um, you're reading the Bible every morning and maybe even have like a, uh, another book that goes along with it, a devotional book that has, you know, some, you know, thought for the day, some scripture goes along with it and how to unpack it and ask yourself questions and stuff. Maybe take notes, answer questions. It's like homework. <laughs> it's like, sure. Yeah. Did you, did you have that too, Andrew? Yeah. Yeah. yeah and I think part of what, um, really cracked things open for me in terms of experimenting like with mushrooms was I feel like I'd grown up my whole life knowing like this is what it looks like to have a relationship with God like this these are the things that you do to show that you have a relationship with God mm -hmm. but like no one ever talks about what does it feel like true and then I had my first like real God experience on a mushroom high and I was like oh this is what it feels like to be with God yeah and not to say that these things that like religion is saying you should do don't help facilitate that because I think that in a lot of ways they do. And that's why, that's why they're in place. But, um, I think that it's been largely divorced from like, and the reason that we do it is so that you can feel in relation to God and not just look in relation to God. And there's a lot of appearances involved. Yeah, for yeah. sure. And not even, yeah, not even, even just appearances within yourself of being like, well, I wake up every day and I, I read my devotionals, I read the Bible and I pray and like, I don't swear, I don't spit on the ground. I like, I'm a good person. And so therefore I am right with God. And right, it's but, like, but then you're like, but where's the reward? If I right. did all these things and I don't necessarily feel, you know, phenomenally different because exactly. I spent, you know, I did the work that was exactly. laid out, but so. I, I had a, a similar mushroom experience as well. Um, actually feeling interconnectedness right yeah yeah and recognizing that like relationship to god is yeah the connectedness of all things mm -hmm. so it's being connected to everything and this like sort of woo-woo notion of we're all one becoming hyper hyper real and like deeply in focus in those moments it's like can be very very profound um and yeah it just sort of reframes things yeah 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 my my experience only came a couple of years ago so that was more of kind of like a uh, almost like a it was a, an amazing experience but like a confirmation as well of kind of the the direction that we I've already gone I had already moved in so yeah i i'm glad that i waited as long as i did to do the heavy psychedelics cuz it wasn't until i was like 30 years old yeah exactly and same I mean, that's the, I, that is the, that first mushroom experience is the thing that probably brought me closer to my spirituality than anything mm -hmm. else had ever, you know, like yeah. I started, I don't know, things started to really click in after that. I was just like, 
Yeah, why not believe? Like, there's so much that that is here that we can't see. So, right. yeah, yeah, but, yeah. So for you though, and back to like this relationship with God concept. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, yeah. How does that start to get reframed for you, or what starts getting called into question as you? Maybe you're in college or you're out of college. Like, how do things start to shift? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, like we were saying before, I, <clears throat> you know, like with your question, Dan, too, about the relationship that I, did I, is that something I felt like I had or just did? I think it was something that I, I that, that was a very, obviously, a big part of the guilt. Um, and I tried really hard to have this relationship. Um but I, I felt like such a failure because I felt like it was just the hardest thing. I felt like it, it felt against my nature. Um, it was so difficult to do these things I was supposed to do. And I, I just wanted to like hang out with my friends and, and you know, like watch movies and read good books and, and play music. And that felt, that felt in my nature. That felt like I was in my skin when I would do those things. Um, <clears throat> and so then, I think that I had kind of a funny moment when I was in college where I think there was a part of me where I was like, okay, maybe college, maybe going to a Christian university will be like the thing. Maybe that will be this thing I've been missing, this thing that I can't necessarily grasp or maybe the thing I don't understand. Maybe there's just a part of it I don't quite get that maybe going to this next level of Christianity will help me understand. And I remember I was in... um, Oh, what was the name of the class? I think it was like intro to biblical studies or something mm-hmm. freshman year. Uh, and I remember one time going to my professor's office hours and sitting down, just like my head in my hands. And I was like, oh, prof, I don't know what, you, what to tell you. I'm, I'm having a really hard time. I just feel like I'm trying really, really, really hard to like be a really, really great Christian. Uh, but like every, it seems like no one else is really trying as hard as I am. And like, aren't we all Christians? Isn't this all a Christian university? I thought we'd all like be on the same page. We'd all be like, kind of like working together communally to create this amazing Christian atmosphere. Right. One giant Jesus bear hug. Yeah. 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 And like, you know, ascending together to the heavens, you know, <laughs> like making the rapture happen. <laughs> but, um, I think that, and I was like in tears because I think that like, that was a moment for me where, where I was like, this, this maybe is the culmination of all those thoughts that I was having throughout high school and youth group and stuff. And I think he said something like, oh, you know, everybody's on their own journey and you got to give them time and you just kind of do, you got to do your, what you can do for yourself. And I was like, oh, okay, yeah, that makes sense. And, but then I kind of, basically what I took from that where it was like, I can't control what other people are doing. I can't control their relationship. So I guess I'm on it. I'm in this myself. And then I think I dealt with for the next few years and post-college for a couple of years as well. Um, dealt with kind of really allowing myself to think about uh, what I believed and, and how it all made sense to me, which was new at the time because mostly it was like, well, how do I put into practice what my youth pastor believes or my, what my pastor believes, what my parents believe. Um, it was kind of like trying to take that package and fit it into my life and then after that switch, it was kind of like, well, how do I, how do I build my own faith? 
and uh, it never really happened. <laughs> <laughs> were you able to find other people at the university that were kind of experiencing the same thing and create some some community within those people? Yeah. Um, yeah, and I feel like even some professors too, um, which is not okay by, by the university standards. Um, you, this university particularly, you had to sign a lifestyle contract, which said, I am a professed Christian, but also I will not drink, you know, have sex, do drugs, uh, all sorts of stuff. It's an interesting, it's an interesting yeah. thing. Cause but that stuff's obviously going on. Oh, it's obviously it's going being, on. Yeah. And you know, and the professors are, are also barred from discussing the mysteries of life with students. Right, or right. So what? that's, so that, that, that's interesting because you'd have professors that would like hint at certain things. And I was, um, I was in film and, um, writing, um, professional writing as, um, I did film for a couple of years. I did writing for a couple of years and communication type stuff. So I took a lot of writing courses and in some of those English classes, man, we did not talk very much about religion, but we talked a lot about literature and, and prose and, and what makes words beautiful. And, um, what, how, how do you find the beautiful things in life and talk about those things? Um, and so it wasn't, <clears throat> necessarily anti-christian but it wasn't it wasn't necessarily like centered in like all around jesus either and i would say you know those those people are probably church-going christians they probably you know go to church but i think that there was more going on than just the uh, uh retelling of some or regurgitating of some line you know um, but yeah I, I found other people as well that um Lots of, you know, you know, colleges, lots of deep conversations late at night about what means what and what's going to happen. And yeah. Are you like talking to your parents or family members about any of this stuff that you're kind of experiencing maybe this crisis of faith a little bit? Absolutely not. Yeah. Um, yeah. My parents are, are great people. Um, but I never felt like that, uh, comfortable um, that that's something that we could uh, chat about. Um, and some of that stems from I, I didn't want to let them down. Yeah, we've had a lot of people kind of bring that up um, that have come on as guests or even perspective guests of just being like, yeah, I think what you're doing is cool, but I don't know if I'm ready to say these things on a recording yeah. because, you know, I've just got a lot of family ties to that, which is totally understandable. I think uh, our our friend Jacob, who um, was a, a Mormon for a long time, mm -hmm. kind of framed it best when he was like, yo, how do I, you know, how do I honor my parents and in what they believe is the greatest gift that they're trying to give me is yeah. like this religion and this, this spirituality and this connection with God, but also, you know, have my own journey and my own faith. Yeah. Um, it's possible that my parents might listen to this and it would be very eye opening for them. Um, I've never really had this, the things I'm saying they would not know. Um, and uh, I might ask them not to listen to it, but if they want to, I'd say, let's talk about it. Um, because, and my thing is like, if they listen to it, that's okay too, because I feel very confident in the life I'm living and I'm very happy. Um, and I have an amazing family 
and I'm very connected to uh, my community and I feel like at peace and like in a really great place. Yeah, man. I mean, you, I would consider you to be one of my first Portland friends, someone that I connected with you and Jen. Um, and I don't know, you're definitely somebody that like represents those core teachings to me of like, of Jesus, you know, the kindness and just, you know, willingness to participate and be supportive of the community. So it's not like you're far from these things that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And man, I, I definitely like reverberate with that. I, I want to be that. I, I'm not throwing everything away because I know that there is a lot of goodness in Jesus teachings, um, that, obviously have informed my life. I grew up with that and I know that they've played a big part in who I am. Um, I had some very strange church experiences um, and maybe came to realize that I think the church tries to, maybe tries a little bit too hard to um, make a, like a set experience around these things that we should instead just be living out. Yeah. There's some heavy indoctrination for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah, it does get, it's confusing when you're even going back to your example of like, you know, being in high school and being like, I feel most like myself when I'm hanging out with my friends, which is just like being in, in relation to others, like in a deep way when I'm playing music, just its own relational thing and God is found in all of those things right yeah like that those were your God experiences that church was telling you like no (laughs) that's not where you and it's like no fuck that that is where you were that was where you were meant to find God and you just needed someone and some authority to be like yep you know if that's what feels right then you're on the right path like you know best um because you're the only one who's experiencing you so yeah yeah the church you know like a lot of things like our education system anything that gets like where we try to have like a a a template for the masses like it's gonna fail Mm -hmm. because we're just too complex as individuals for that to work yeah Yeah. i'm just trying to have control over this thing that's supposed to be a personal journey yeah (sighs) which is how do you let people go on a personal journey though if you have these supposed uh, like specific rules that everyone's supposed to follow. Yeah. I mean, and I get it too. You're, you know, you're trying to raise kids and shield them from some things in the world and hopefully, you know, maybe, maybe not lead them down paths that get them into serious trouble or, or, you I know, just think that there's damage this them. hilarious right. catch 22 of like the intense indoctrination a lot of times leads to, you know, a backlash the other way. I mean, there's the sort of trope of the pastor's kid that's just going to be like, fuck you, two middle fingers in the air, <laughs> joints out of every orifice, um, like at age 14. <laughs> yeah. Whereas like, if you tell, a, if you let someone have their own journey, like, I think they're more naturally inclined to like, find like, um... Yeah, some sort of peace within themselves naturally, because yeah. I think that's sort of just the way that human nature leans, you know, barring psychopaths and stuff like that. Well, I think that maybe that's why I was in the church for as long as I was, because my parents were very supportive um, without a whole lot of rules. Um, I, you know, I had some rules and some of those base, you know, stemmed out of uh, the church. 
Um, but like I said, I didn't have a curfew. Um, and I had a car I could drive around and, um, I had these things that, that I just had trust from my parents. They also like heavily supported, uh, my brother and I in in music, um, like came to every single one of our concerts, like bought us music lessons, bought us equipment, like really pushed us in, in like creative endeavors a lot. Um, and I got to do, I got to play the drums a ton in church too. Um, and so these things like their support and, um, being able to play music, um, basically, uh, were, I think really, uh, like important for, I guess as long as I was in the church. Um, if I didn't have those things, it, I probably would have ended sooner. Like I, I had a, a, a friend, um, or my, my brother's close friend was in a, one of the worship groups when he was in high school and he played bass. And one time it was like a Sunday night service. Uh, it was like a, a youth band was playing and he wore red socks, uh, for, I don't know, he was just wearing red socks that day. And, uh, he got a comment card, uh, that was like put in the, the tithes and offerings that the pastor then found and brought to him later from one of the kids in the youth group. No, no, no. This was, so it was a, it was a youth group band, but they were Playing like for the main service for the main service. Got it. Okay. And so it was, you was know, like, some, damn. some elderly, uh, congregation member put a note, sent a note in and said, I can't believe that he wore red socks on stage. And then he, <laughs> he, he didn't come back. He didn't come back color? to church. Yeah. The devil's color. Yeah. That's all it took. Well, I, I don't think that I mean, was all. I think I there mean, were yeah, many not other things. To say, not to say that, like, that person was, was fragile in any way, like, mentally, but uh, I, the church does that a lot to people where it's just, like, you you push, essentially push your own away with, like, this petty bullshit. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. To something that does not interfere with your relationship with right. Christ or the yeah. thing, you know? I that, mean, yeah. I've told this story before, but I got... So after my freshman year of college, I was like, there was this worship band that was going to go like do a tour of like summer camps or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, And so the amount of rehearsals for this was insane because, you know, we were going to do, I can't remember, like, like three summer camps in a row or something. And um yeah, it was a ton of time and the pay was bullshit. It was like 1200 bucks or something. So I was basically making like 400 bucks a week. I was making like $3 an hour for the amount of work that I was doing. But for a college kid, you're like 1200 bucks is everything. I could buy, you know, a new guitar and amp or whatever. Um, but yeah, I got kicked off on the last night of tour because me and the bass player got caught smoking a joint. And we actually didn't get caught in the act. We got caught like after we came back inside the like... Uh, worship leader was like who l- had to let us in because we were staying at a Christian college like in their dorms or whatever and we got locked out <laughs> um, so he had to let us in and he basically was just like yeah I'm not an idiot like I can smell weed on you and the bass player sort of looked at me like don't say anything and I just was like yep like <laughs> we did that and that was not the move apparently you know they kicked us off the next morning like he was like yeah pack up your bags and go and I had to drive myself like from Omaha to Denver by myself with all my shit. But I remember like that morning, like really like looking at him and being like, you know, yeah, like I'm, 
I'm spiritually maybe a little bit lost or confused right now. Like a lot of people after their first year of college, I, you know, I didn't go to a Christian university, but I was like, you know, I really want, like, I still feel like I'm, was trying to do a good thing here. It's not like I was stoned on stage. Right. Like, you know, I understand that we broke a contract, but I just feel like I'm being treated sort of subhuman for something that was like pretty harmless. Right. And, but then also it was sort of like, you know, I haven't really had an opportunity to talk to anybody about sort of like what I've been going through. And he was basically just like, I don't want to hear it. And also you were honest about it. Like you didn't, you didn't lie. Right. Right. Which is rare for me. Um, (laughs) But Honestly, yeah, that should be valued. Yeah. So, um, I don't know, man, that was a moment that was a make or break moment for me that I think I would have ended up leaving the church, you know, eventually anyways. And that wasn't the moment that I was like, I'm not a Christian anymore, but it was a huge crack in my confidence of that community because this was someone who I had, you know, shared the stage with as him as the worship leader and me as like the lead guitarist for, you know, three or four years. And it's just like, we've spent so much time with each other. Like, you know, me. Like, you know my heart, you know, you know, I'm in the right place. You know that like I'm doing this because I want to like create that experience for other people for a way for them to connect to God. And that's why I'm here. That's why I'm doing this on my summer break. Like, yeah, I want the money too. But like, ultimately, it's not enough money to justify like all this travel and whatnot. So you're just going to toss all of that aside because I smoked a fucking joint. (laughs) Yeah. Like... (laughs) It yeah. would it would have been the same way at, at my school. I uh, I did three years of those summer travel groups where we go to camps. I did I did a music one one year and we played four summer camps and forty churches uh, in one summer and it was intense uh, all over the Northwest. I mean we went, went all the way to like Wyoming and Colorado and Montana, but um, all throughout Oregon and Washington and. Was that ever hard for you when you were participating heavy in that and kind of having your own kind of crisis of faith or questioning things? I think that um, that was kind of this, there was this movement, this like birth of like progressive Christianity, like Rob Bell and Hillsong. And there were these like things that started coming out and that were like closer to cool close like they were still christian and they were still uh talking about faith but they were like you you could do that and like or like imago day church in portland you know or like uh what's his name don don miller donald miller the he was a portland author that wrote blue like jazz like wrote about going to read and being a christian at read um there were these things that in progressive christianity that that i was also reading and grappling with and being like well okay well maybe Maybe these thoughts, this this faith crisis that I, that I feel like I'm having, maybe it's not actually me moving away from uh, the church or from faith, but maybe it's me uh, becoming a progressive Christian. Yeah, redefining it. Yeah. And I think that, yeah, I mean, maybe I was that for a while, but I think that really what it was was a journey away from guilt and fear towards embracing this idea of like, like we talked about the interconnectedness and um, love for all and, and like life living a life for goodness and, and sure. humanity. You know? And just like loving what is too, you know, yeah. like life is going to be full of mistakes and pain and its own dark moments. And instead of being like, I should try to pray this away, 
um, yeah, maybe it's an opportunity like for growth or learning or whatever. So I think that, uh, you know, to your question, like it, they did not seem like, uh, like in battle with each other. Yeah. You know, like maybe, maybe I was always having this faith crisis, but then I was like, okay, well then I'm, I'm having friends that are like drinking and, and smoking, you know, that are still going to church all the time and maybe not telling people about it because maybe like, like you, Andrew, they might get quote unquote in trouble, you know, but I'm like, well, this is different than what I grew up with. And these things, you know, I've told, I've been told are really, really bad and wrong, but, uh, maybe like, this is what, what I can do as I become an adult is like, I can, you know, move on into this new phase of Christianity but I think what that really is, 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 you know, those people are kind of pretending in a way they're lying to themselves. Um, yeah. I mean, it's not, not I don't want to like lump a, a whole group of people together like that, but I do think that there is a level of just fully embracing who you are and what, like the place you are and living that life that is your life. Um, man, if you want to do all those things, don't, don't hide them. Don't, don't live that double life um i don't know maybe there's benefits too yeah maybe those people are are benefiting from being able to play on a stage in front of two thousand people every sunday and kind of live that like church rock and roll lifestyle for sure and there's like paid a lot of them there's you're getting paid money and and then there's there's all that there's all that attention and popularity that you're gaining by by doing those things and being on stage we had uh andrew's friend ryan sharp Mm-hmm. He, who was like also heavily involved in these touring type worship bands. And I remember him talking to us kind of about at a certain point, he was just like, I can't be up here. I don't like, yeah, I don't feel super connected to this thing that I am sending this message out about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's a lot of people <clears throat> that are doing that still today that I know are, are would not call themselves Christians, but are still taking the money. Yeah. You can't blame them because they, you might make a thousand dollars on a Sunday. Right. Play in two or three services. For sure. I mean, I also think there's just an issue with, you know, I think a lot of people, uh, in any type of religion or structure or whatever, like, you know, there's a deification of people a little bit who are on stage, whether that's a worship leader or a pastor. Um, and a lot of times like that person who's on stage, like might lean into that a little bit and then it comes out that like you know the pastor you know fucked someone other than their wife yeah and then they have to leave the church and and whatever you know but like it's sad that we have to hold it as like a oh my god you are not perfect like of course they're not perfect yeah nobody's fucking perfect we're all fucking up like everyone's making mistakes yeah that's a big one and they probably shouldn't be but like something that probably led them to that behavior was the fact that they were sort of like deified in the first place as opposed to just being like, Hey, I'm just one of you. I just happened to be up here today. Yeah. Um, I, the thing that, that, um, made me stop going to church, um, which all this is kind of happening simultaneously, but I, well, I had a, I had a kind of a strange church experience, which would be a whole other podcast if, if you ever need a, a recurring guest hey, sometime, uh, you, you're welcome anytime to join this uh, <laughs> this goofy Bible study. Yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, after I had a, a strange experience with the church, I was looking for a, a 
kind of a new church experience. And I found one that was meeting, um, this is a, a long time ago, uh, in, in town. And I went for a while and, and I, I was just, it did not take me long to realize I was done. Um, cause several things happened. One was like, they found out I, w- I was a musician pretty early on and that, that changed the way they looked at me. <laughs> they were very excited. Um, and I, I didn't want to, like, I mostly was like looking for like a community where maybe I could go like, you know, have some discussion and meet some new people, but I didn't want to like, I was kind of done with like doing, like being on stage for that, for, like for churches. So that was weird. But then also, um, I met some really great people at this church I was at. And my favorite part was when we would show up, um, it was at a community center. Uh, we'd show up and like for the first 10 minutes, you get to see these people and like have a cup of coffee and chat and like, like get to know them. Um, and as you guys know, like we've been here for a couple hours almost already, like having a great time talking and we could go longer, but like 10 minutes is not enough time to get to know people. Um, after 10 minutes, the pastor would get up and be like, okay, everybody stop talking, stop talking. It's time to, it's time to get into the word. It's time to, time to get to church. And after a while, after I, I would stop and say like, why, why, why do we have to stop? Because like this, this is what it's all about right here. Aren't we gathered in his name and therefore this is church? Yeah, Me I almost. There, I think there's neighbor. almost a time where I was just like, "Can we just not like this? <laughs> week, can we just not sit down and like not talk to each other for the next two hours? Can we just like keep standing and having like shortbread and drinking coffee and like finding out about every, each other?" And yeah, right. There's just this this thing, this vibe within the church that everybody's trying to portray themselves. It seems like as this perfect Christian, and then the humility part of it gets completely missed. And it's so hard to like, I don't know, even if you're in some sort of men's group or, you know, this, this group where you're supposed to, you know, be talking about your struggles. I think it's really hard to be vulnerable in front of a bunch of people that you're, you know, supposed to be this perfect Christian or, For sure. you know, this very spiritually you, yeah, connected you like, I mean, person. You can't be both. Where like, those are the moments where... <clears throat> at least for myself, you know, that's where you connect the most. That's the showing like weakness and how strong that is for me to reveal this super deep struggle within myself to you or this right. thing that I'm going through. And cause after that moment, there's, there's this next level bond. It's like, Whoa, Chris like told me about this thing today that is really heavy. Yeah. And I think that that is um, a big part of the reason why, <clears throat> we've actually found that our community in the music scene in Portland um, it is like comprised mostly of people that used to be in the church and are not any longer um, and are also in music. Like that is like our whole community are people like that. And I think that from what you're talking about, it, you come to the table with this foundation of like, if you live that life and now you've chosen to not be in that life anymore. That means that we already have like this baseline. We all, we already have something in common because we've gone through some, some crazy hardship, something to bring us through all of that to where we are today. And it it also means that you've made a choice, um, which anytime anybody like makes a huge choice in their life, um, to that magnitude, uh, 
to like either change their life or improve their life in, in some way, I'm drawn to that person. Um, I want to yeah. know like what, what causes a person to, to fully like do something big like that for themselves. What's interesting is I feel like I know speaking for a lot of like the people in my life when I decided to leave the church, like, I feel like a lot of folks viewed that as like, oh, you're taking the easy way. And I was like, motherfucker, this is the hard way. The easy way is to stay in the church and pretend and live a double life. That yeah. pray and That's obey. what I'm comfortable with. <laughs> That's what I did all through high school. Yeah. Like, you know, that would be the easy way. This stepping out into the unknown where I'm like, I don't even know what the fuck I believe anymore. And you're this asking isn't... tough questions. Yeah. I was like, this isn't it's easy. It's not easy. Like this. And in a lot of ways, this sucks. I just gave up my entire community right. of people that I, yeah, the thing that I had grown up in. So... Um, I mean, I can see both sides for sure, but I'm, I'm with you that I feel like there's a foundation between me and folks that have been through that where I'm just like, like you said, like, oh, you made the choice. And I know that that choice, you know, if religion was something that you took super seriously and then you still came to that choice, that was a fucking hard choice. Yeah. Uh, and it wasn't made lightly, you know? And for me, like that choice was made kind of similar to you being like you know and so then i kept trying to find the right church this is exactly what i, I was like i got to reconnect with god i just had my heart broken i was like i got to start going to church like a couple times a week i got to like find the community i got to get back in it and it was in that process that i started to be like i can't do this right right i can't do this yeah and it sometimes it's like the people like you said if they were if someone was super in it and and came out that you might have like a even more of a bond with like two of my closest friends uh nate and chandler uh nate's brother uh is a pastor chandler's dad is a pastor it's hard for their families you know as i'm sure sure it's hard for my family um yeah mine as well but you have to ask a lot of questions and you have to like come to grips with uh what your heart and your mind are saying yeah it is interesting though because those people do think that you're you're walking away from something when you're really walking towards your truth hopefully in some way and i think they maybe don't understand that you are finding that fellowship in that community maybe and and maybe feeling it more than you ever have with where you're at now and i think that really naturally unfolded for myself too even yeah. walking into this music scene you know being an outsider didn't grow up here i found all of my friends in my community through this music scene for you know just showing up and it's funny that you know leah joked that that was like a, a, a ch- her church that right. she would show up to every week and i think there was like a really strong fellowship in that open mic that you and jen hosted for so long and it was I immediately felt welcomed when I walked into that room, even though it was a really tight knit group for the people that showed up every week. Right. And there was this really nice environment where you, where, you know, week to week people would be really vulnerable, especially in in a place where people are, it's a lot of singers, songwriters, and they're sharing these songs, just them in one instrument a lot of the time. And, Sometimes people are talking about where this song comes from, and and sometimes people are bearing some really vulnerable shit on that microphone, whether they're singing about it or just talking about it before they perform the song. And yeah, man, I I got so much out of that 
that oh, place yeah. every week. And I know a lot of people did. I know that's why, you know, a reason that it was hard for you and Jen to even walk away from that thing because you did create such a, a good community in that way. But yeah, yeah, absolutely. I definitely feel exactly the same way. And I'm so glad that we got to meet through that. And I'm so glad that we got to experience all that together. Um, <clears throat> so many people that we met, uh, still really great friends. Um, and we started that back in, uh, 2012. It was like January 2nd, 2012 or something, the beginning of the year. Um, yeah. And eight years later, I mean, still such good friends with so many of those people because like you're saying, we shared so many close moments. Um, yeah, I mean, it makes me a little teary. I'm thinking about some of the nights, um, in the first couple of years before it really got really busy, um, there was a, one of our regulars, uh, a guy named Veer wrote like the most positive, I think Veer is maybe 70, 75. He wrote the most positive, like life affirming songs. Um, and he had just such a, like a sweet voice, almost like James Taylor, like soft is that and the, sweet. Is he a Hawaiian cat? No, no. You're thinking of Tutu. All right. Yeah. He also brought a lot of positivity. I felt like for, for, some, brought a lot of positivity. For, for some of the darkness that was in the room. Yeah. There was, uh, the, there was no age, age like median or anything. I mean, it was just yeah. like people all over the place. But, but I remember Veer had this song about, um, just basically about like the direction that your love extends around you. And it was a very simple refrain in the chorus. It's so like sing songy and beautiful. And, on those nights earlier on when maybe we only had eight performers and we do a couple of rounds. I think, I think it got to the point where we had like maybe 40 performers a night. Dude, it was wild. It was wild. Sometimes. And that was part of the reason, one of the, you know, one of the reasons why it couldn't continue much longer. It is just got because too it's big, un- everybody. <laughs> unmanageable. But, um, but early on you have eight performers and do a few rounds of, you know, back then people could do like two songs each and then go around and do another two songs. But we'd end every single night singing Veer's song, acapella, everybody wow. together. Um, I don't know. I mean, it's just, these are people that I just met, you know, like sometimes people would come in, they'd hop off the bus and be like, Oh, I heard there's an open mic. Like, and it wasn't for everybody. Cause sometimes people would be like sitting in the back, but we like, they could tell that it was genuine. And yeah, it was a place you had to be pretty quiet and respectful because it was such yeah. a, it was a small room and everything traveled really well in there. Even if you were talking quietly in the back, <laughs> right. you know, like you had to be, really patient and and respectful yeah in that room absolutely and i think for for jen and i having basically you know walked away from that church life that like you were talking about andrew walking away from everyone and everything that we had known leading up to that um that was monumental um to have those people and to have those experiences of of vulnerability and and sharing those songs like singing together um meeting great people yeah yeah i mean i think that's definitely the thing you find most common amongst the people that do move away from the church is that you miss the fellowship and so when yeah. you can find that in something else it's and starts to feel really good you know when there's not so much judgment tied to it yeah you know and because well, then you're like wait i've you know for a big part of my life i felt pretty messed up but like this person seems to think i'm okay and they want to chat and they're interested and and just who i am like 
not interested in my walk. <laughs> yeah. You know, like that was the question. I don't know if you got that question, Andrew, but like, how's your walk today? How's your walk this yeah, week? Same shit as just like, how's your relationship with the Lord? Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't fucking know. That was the walk. Yeah. That walk with the Lord, but it was always short. How's your walk? <laughs> well, I'm on the way, aren't I? <laughs> well, uh, I'm walking. I'm, I'm yeah. on the, I'm and on that's the, the whole thing is it really is sort of as simple as like, I'm still walking. Like, Mm-hmm. That's all you can really ask of people. It's just like, are you, you know, you you feel all right? You still trying? Like, yes, no. If not, like, what's going on? Yeah. Do you, you know, yeah. you need someone to talk to. Are you seeking things? Are you compassionate towards others still? You know? Yeah. Are you trying to find ways to be yeah. loving towards those people you don't understand? And and towards yourself too. Yeah. For yeah. sure. Yeah. It starts there. Which is, you know super hard when you have so much of that is tied to that fear and being unholy yeah and disliking yourself you know, yeah. it's easy to dislike yourself and oh, man. and still feel shitty about some of those things you know yeah yeah i'm glad that i'm glad that i had you know looking back i'm glad i had such a good family and and support system that when it took time to do the unpacking um definitely took some time um but that i didn't have to go like so extreme and like you're talking about like the rebellious pastor's kid or that i didn't have to just like you know start a uh an anarchist punk band or something to like <laughs> to explore my a sex cult a sex cult yeah i didn't i didn't have to go extreme i'm glad i was able to kind of like settle in the gray a bit and and not mm-hmm. you know vacillate too much between black and white was it was it uh important you think for you to find a life partner in Jen who had had some sort of similar experience to this where you know she was in the church and maybe drifted away from it yeah we have um a lot of shared experiences in that um we still it's it's conversations we still have um it's it's a huge part of our relationship um spirituality um talking about those those uh unanswered questions and um the deeper interesting things in life um and it it definitely helps that we have like a similar background and um have gone through a lot of the same things and um experienced some of that together as well um yeah i mean she like she she inspires me and uh motivates me and challenges me and um, I think I do the same for her and it's something that we, it's not even like a pushing each other necessarily, but it's just in, in choosing to live in the gray area, um, that like having a partner there with you is super helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're not, you're not having as many moments where you're feeling alone because those, those do come. For sure. Where would you say that you're at now? Like, are you still seeking a lot of spiritual teachers and you know reading things of that nature digging into those things do you have some sort of prayer meditation in your life still i would say that the um the strange church experience that i had that i talked about could be another a whole other podcast um and it will and It'll it be will. a bonus episode of Bible Buzz. <laughs> Tune in. Available on the Patreon yeah, that we don't have. Only for, <laughs> only for Patreon members uh, at the $10 level. Um, uh, 
it took me a long time. I, I definitely needed after, you know, 23, 24, however many years I needed some time. Um, but recently, um, I've definitely been more interested in, in exploring a lot more of, uh, spiritual thoughts because I think that I've lost some of the stigma, like the stigma has gone for me. And, and some of that comes with me just being fully uh, confident in, in where I am and who I am. Um, having to, you know, get to the place where I embrace myself and I'm at peace with my past and where I'm at. And I can say like, okay, now, now I'm at a place where I can explore these things without anything tied to it. I, I'm not worried what people might think if I say I'm exploring spirituality. I'm not, I'm not worried um, about what my past self would think or, you know, or like what my experiences would say. Am I being untrue to myself and the experiences I went through? No, I, I dealt with things and they brought me to where I am. Um, and now I can enter into the next stage, which is a stage of being fully open um, understanding that we live in a, uh, monstrous universe, um, that to me is, you know, I, I love science. I think science is incredible. Um, but I think magic is cool too. Um, I, sometimes they're a little bit of the same. Yeah. Science is definitely magical. So I think, uh, maybe there's even some things that, um, are in the spiritual realm. Like we talked about, you know, more art stuff, like they're in the spiritual realm, but is not Christian that even some of that stuff I didn't want to go into because I was like, I just need a break from spirituality. But now I'm like, okay, well I can dive a little bit more into other, other spiritual things and, and learn, um, what else is going on? What other great minds have had, have had to say about all this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's been, um, that's been really great too. And, and maybe even at times re-exploring some of these uh, some of these things that I read when I was younger that even would live in the Christian realm and, and maybe like saying, Hey, that's not all bad. I can pick some things out of that and, and add that to my current standpoint. Um, definitely do not identify as a Christian. Um, and we're going to go ahead and wrap this podcast up now. This Peace. guy doesn't know. <laughs> this guy's not a Christian. Not, oh, I, thought no, he was, oh, I thought he was a Christian. Oh, no, yeah. I'm sorry. sorry Andrew, this is a Bible study. Just out. <laughs> I thought I read that. You were one of the buds. I thought the bio. <laughs> wait a second. The bio. I read the bio. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, um, I know I said it earlier, but man, if you guys get, if you want to read an incredible book, the Wizard, Wizard of Earthsea, it's a series and every book just like unravels me and they're just fantasy novels, but they are about life and like grappling with uh, yourself and the universe. Man, I think some of the most like some of the most beautiful experiences I've had have been reading works of fiction, and I still think it's like I don't know. It's just it blows me away when someone builds a world like that, like a, yeah. a complex fantasy world that's so deep and layered. I'm just like where the fuck did that come from? <laughs> yeah. And I th- I would venture to say that a lot like as a songwriter, I feel like a lot of my best things that I've ever written were like, it feels like it was almost like channeled through me or like it just sort of like, just sort of came to me. It wasn't from me. It was from, you know, some something deeper inside me. When I was younger, I used to think like, oh, I guess that was a gift from God. And now I just sort of feel like, I just guess I was just really like present in the moment or whatever and just open. Yeah. Um, 
but yeah, I think that like that's that's the beauty that I'm looking at is like someone else's ability to be open to receiving that level of of creativity and subsequent creation is just like yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, and I I don't know if I knew that you grew up in the church, Andrew, but uh, I mean, of course, like I you know I've drawn to you guys when we first met and like playing music together. Sure. And definitely like connected with with your tunes and you know it makes more sense now. It's just like <laughs> I was saying, like yeah, connecting with uh, that community. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, man. Um, do you do you find that's when you're most present and kind of tapped in, Chris, is when you're playing music and being creative. Yeah, which has made uh, this time hard, not being able to do that, not being able to, um, you know, being on stage is, is is incredible in its own right, just like being able to play music in performance, but like it's the shared experience um, that not having that since you know february um i mean we played one patio show but not having that since february has been tough because if and outside of playing shows jen and i would go to shows several times a week yeah as well there's so much community and and communal experience in that alone you know that can be showing up to to the church right there yeah absolutely and and it wasn't like so losing losing performing and losing um the community of of going to experience performance um has just been like a major blow uh for sure creatively um yeah so i you know sometimes you just feel a little empty and at least i know why at least i know (laughs) what's missing yeah (laughs) at least i've experienced that for sure yeah so what have you have you found other things to keep yourself in tune or or not you know oh my god i'm glad you asked that question i'm making uh homemade hot sauce and I'm glad you asked because I um, am giving each of you a jar of hot sauce to take home with you oh my goodness. tonight. That, um, so I have it ready to go in That's the fridge. Very exciting. Sending you with some homemade hot sauce. It's got the Holy Spirit in it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I guess, I guess you know, I've been like cooking a lot. Uh, Jen and I have been playing tennis a lot. Oh, that's a good one. We're finding things to do to fill our time. Um, which is good, staying connected to each other, still spending a lot of time together. I definitely feel super close to Jen, um, uh, spending a lot of time with the kids. Uh, so that's good. Um, and creatively, you know, it's been a little difficult, but there's been like bursts here and there, um, musically and, and non-musically too. Some other things like cartooning and sure. doing like my drumsticks comic strip thing every once in a while. and. Um, but yeah, it kind of comes and goes. It's, it's before we were in a way like forcing ourselves to do it because you had to like, cause we were hustling, you know, pretty hard playing tons of shows and yeah. writing a bunch of music and, you know, doing the thing. Um, yeah, at first it must've been even a little bit nice and you're like, Oh, an yeah. opportunity to slow down. <laughs> well, yeah. I, I, and then you're like, not this slow for this <laughs> long. Nine months. What? <laughs> well, I know, I know people that are like, that's it. I'm quitting. I'm, I'm quitting music forever. And I'm like, well, wait, do you really need to quit forever? And I've realized that like, no, I think, you know, the, all you really need to do is take one month off. <laughs> it was right. like one month. And I was like, that feels pretty nice. And then after that, I was like, all right, I'm itching. So now I know at least that if I ever feel like this sucks, it's too hard. I'm burnout, staying up till three, you know, 
uh, doing all this, like the logistical stuff that sucks that comes along with it. Right. Booking emails and stuff like yeah. that. Like when whenever I get too burnt out on that, I'm like, okay, well, I only have to take one month off. Yeah. <laughs> Just quick recharge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not not eight, seven. How many months is it now? Seven months. Yeah. Is uh, is religion something that comes up amongst the kids? Like, do they ever talk to you guys about like, oh? Jimmy at school is a Christian. Like, what does that mean? Or like, are those conversations that you've had to have with the the children? They are. Yeah, they come up. Um, we're super open and honest with the kids, uh, and allow them to be super open and honest with us, and they can ask any question. Um, and they do. Uh, the other night, we were just like, it'd been kind of a long day. We're just kind of like, as a family, plopped down on the couch, put on like a reality baking competition show. And like Great British push, baking show? Uh, it was not what it was like, sugar rush. A cheap knockoff. Something. But still uh, good family fun. All right. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's fine. It was just something. You know, we're just like, it's been a long day. Let's just like do something as a family, like turn our minds off. Push play and, you know, it's starting and then uh, our son goes, uh, hey, mom, do you uh, consider yourself religious or would you say you're an atheist? <laughs> like, <okay>. <laughs> Big <laughs> question like, there, yeah. bro. Not a lot of room in between. I love your question. Uh, Can we just like table that because it's, you know, it's the end of the day. (laughs) (laughs) This is a bigger conversation. Yeah. Right. And so we do have a lot of these conversations with the kids uh, and they have strong opinions for themselves already. Opinions that I would have never like, I mean, I was like, I'm a Christian and I got a picture Bible. Yeah. Um, But man, for... For being 13 years old and and being able to ask those questions, I think that's awesome. That's awesome that he, that he's in a place where he feels comfortable to ask. Well, I don't know questions. what kind of access to technology he has, but internet's hell of a drug. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Oh man, watch out! Right QAnon's on. coming for you. <laughs> well, I gotta say, Chris, you are uh, you and Jen both um, are just incredibly stand-up, kind people. And I feel super grateful to uh, have crossed paths with you all when I when I moved up here. Like you're you're both people. Like if I was in a time of need, a time of crisis, I feel like I could come to you and divulge some some heavy shit to. And yeah. and uh, yeah, just yeah, same, uh, same to you, Dan. I appreciate the fuck out of you and oh, and Jen. Man, I feel exactly the same way. I'm I, I've always really appreciated you. I've always appreciated like your. Uh, drive and passion for creativity and uh, like all your endeavors. Um, I always want to be tied to like the name Dan Cable. I want to, <laughs> I want to be there. That's right. That's very, very sweet of you. But and, yeah, if uh, you, I, and honestly, like now you know where I live. I mean, you know where I lived before until I moved, but now you know, where, <laughs> now you know again where I live. Man, anytime you need to come over. Let's have another one of these chats on or off mic. Yeah, absolutely. And we super appreciate you uh, coming on the mic and, and being, I know this is, this can be a vulnerable thing to do. And Andrew and I have kind of found that this isn't something a lot of people talk about a lot, you know, especially, you know, yeah. in a recorded time, you know, <laughs> like, I don't know. Some of the is people, this, this is going to the library of Congress, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But some of the, yeah, some of the folks we've, we've talked to that have moved away from the church, you know, we've found that this is kind of like, Oh, this is the first time I'm kind of walking back down this road and, and talking about these things. So yeah. I know it can be a vulnerable thing to do. So we appreciate 
you uh you taking the time and being willing willing to do it definitely yeah, well, pulled a lot from this conversation so sam i'm i learned a lot about you guys as well uh thanks for like i know this is kind of a you know like you said a silly idea uh they start you know maybe it seems on on its face a silly idea but like it actually is a, a powerful thing to create a platform that's like about getting people together to talk about things that you don't normally talk about um under the uh the umbrella of like friendship and welcomeness no no judgment you know yeah for sure i think it's also been super important for us to we've had a lot of folks that identify with different religions and for and that are still in the their churches or congregations and yeah. for them to yeah. you know come on and and maybe clear up some of those misconceptions and you know because I, I think it's easy uh it's easy to only see the extremism in the things that you don't understand and that's often those are, what those you are get the loudest voices right yeah so it's been a it's been a very uh very cool experience um if you want we can play the episode out with that new camp crush single if you're interested in uh sharing that with the the fine folks of the bible buds community yeah i would i would love that thank and you uh fangirl yeah. is the, fangirl. New, the new jam just came out we recorded it at home uh during quarantine um i really like it a lot jen is uh like one hell of a songwriter um i'm like extremely fucking lucky to get to be a part of her band. She's such an amazing vocalist too. Oh, yeah, she's her just voice brings brings the heat and the two of you together have really uh I don't know, you've just put together this really outstanding live show experience as well and and I can I think anybody that shows up to your shows can see like the intent that that goes into creating the experience. So it's been fun to get to watch the growth of that over the last 5 years or so. Yeah, thank you, man. Yeah, absolutely. Well, this has been super awesome. I'm glad we did this. Yeah, yeah. Likewise, thanks for thanks for doing the thing. Yeah, of course. Right on. Smoke, pray, love, everybody. Unless you're doing a sober October, like uh, I know Andrew and I are doing. I'm, I'm two weeks into not smoking weed, and, and then you go you know, and you bless up. Yep, you got to bless up. Don't be a racist, and make sure you vote. All right.
Wish that I was your fan girl